And welcome to another episode of Shut Up and Invest. Jay Money, what's up, brother? What's up, what's up, man? I'm doing good. Doing good. We, we convinced... Uh, Jamie to come back? Jamie to stay. <laughs> like, yeah, wait, stay is your guy. wife going to get pissed? <laughs> <laughs> and she's from where? Poland. How, yeah. how does a Polish wife <laughs> handle the doghouse? Oh, man. It's not a pretty sight, guys. Not a pretty sight, <laughs> So man. he promised us 30 more minutes. 30 more minutes, man. But hey, you know, he got some more information. We got to get out to the masses. So he, yeah. he's got to stay. He's got to stay. Definitely, Kevin has no idea about the doghouse, just so you know. Yeah. We'll be here. It'd be like 11.30. I'm like, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't understand. <laughs> I gotta go. I'm just telling you with me. Yeah, that's why I gotta exactly. go. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, that, that that rule, like, is your friend, is he married? Listen, man, I got oh, a best. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. One of my best friends' wives hated me until I married Jackie. Like, now we're best friends. Before it was like, I couldn't come around. <laughs> so, oh, man. No, we got Jamie back, man. We, love, we got him to stay. If you didn't hear the other episode, Jamie, introduce yourself. Let everybody know what you do. Yes. Yeah, so I'm Jamie Baker, um, commercial real estate broker. Um, we're based out of the uh, Coal Springs Parkland area. Um, we also do private equity. Um, our specialty is multifamily apartments and uh, senior housing, assisting living facilities. Assisting living. We want to talk about talk a about little that. bit about that. The okay. previous episode, if you find it, you'll find a little bit about the private equity and the and the multifamily. If you're looking to get into multifamilies, Jamie's definitely somebody that could help you get in involved. But today, we really wanted to get into, I think, what is probably something that I've heard lately in the last six months a lot of people bring up. And I think we're coming into an age where the baby boomers... Yes. Mm-hmm. Are starting to really need their own facilities and their right. own places. And, and there's a huge market for it. It is. Huge market. Yeah. Definitely a huge market. I, I've been hearing the numbers I've been hearing thrown around that people are making through assisted living from just one property. You know, sure. I've been blowing my mind. So that's why actually right now I'm, me and Jamie are actually talking about doing some stuff up in a different market in PA about it with another friend of ours. But we're definitely learning as much as we can. So that's why I say, hey, you got to come on and, sure. and tell everybody else what you've been, you know, helping me sure. and my partners learn about. So Sure, <laughs> sure. No, it's a, it's a fantastic model. Um, and as Kevin mentioned, it's, um, you know, people are talking about it, but I think not understanding how it all works. Definitely. You know, what are some of the, I want things that you have to check off the checklist mm-hmm. and, and, and getting yourself involved. Um I've actually found it a fascinating model and how I actually got involved with it was um, initially I started out as um, doing financial modeling <coughs> and had an opportunity to, to meet someone that owned several of them and um, end up helping them identify um, a property that fit, fit the criteria um, and then began to work alongside of them with, you know, managing all of the financials in terms of what it needed to be to make it a viable investment. Um, and then you saw... <laughs> <laughs> when you took a look at that Dollar business. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, 
Now it's, you had a little, you had a background in medical before, yes. right? So kind of give us an idea of your background in medical. And then- so, yes. So um, I actually own a, a medical company uh, with my sister and Medicare Advantage. Um, and so that's, you know, providing the typical programs that, that when you become 65 and you're, you know, in retirement and taking advantage of all of the benefits that go along with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we work with a, a number of different carriers and, you know, offering um, the different types of packages and plans that they have for seniors. You still have that business with her? Yes, but my okay. sister primarily, um, she operates it, but we still... I will, I'm, I have a small partnership in that. <laughs> You're a silent partner. <laughs> silent partner. So I guess that business kind of worked kind of hand in hand with the assisted living f- facilities, you think? or is I think, like- yeah. I, so, yeah, so it does because um, what you find is that, um, you know, as we all age, um, there's really a lack of facilities and mm. um, the ability not everyone wants to go to the big box facility. And what we found is, um, and our partners in that space are providing those services that um, when we would meet um, the participants in programs, many of them wanted to be in residential facilities, um, but there just wasn't um, the the selection for options. that options that they were looking for. Give um, give us a range, let's mm. say, in this South Florida market <coughs> of kind mm. of the options that someone over the age of 65 is looking at if they're looking to be at in a facility of someone who's there constantly kind of keeping sure. an eye on them. And So you mean like a range in terms of? Anything from a single family okay. to... Okay, yeah. Large box. So large box. So, so for the residential for like a say, let's start with... I typically find that you you want to start with if you're going to be getting into the business, you want to start with a the ability to have eight residents. I think you know that's like the basic number. So have. one you said. So typically you'll have two residents to a room. Okay. Um, and what I found is in the residential space, you want to have at least four bedrooms. Okay. That's the bare minimum. And why I say that. Um, in my experience, the three-bedroom model, six residents, it's, the numbers are really tight. And it doesn't give you the kind of spread that you need and the earnings to make it worth it. Fe- yeah, yeah. And feasible. Yeah. yeah. So, so the first step on the smaller scale, minimum of, of an eight-bed um, presidential so facility. Two, two people per room, so two four beds. Two people per room. Mm-hmm. Got it. All right. And then how many baths? So would that be like a four bed, four bath, right? Because you kind of want to So typically you want to have three bathrooms. You know, you want to think of it as for every two residents, there's one bathroom. You know, that's kind of how you want to kind of process it. Um, And then you want to have your common area um, where you, where they, everyone can come together and, you know, they can watch TV, they can do activities. Play dominoes. (laughs) <laughs> dominoes no I no really yeah dominoes we play spades <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty good at dominoes too but you know I just we play uh, spades. I don't know completely off topic <laughs> of course but you know <laughs> we, Jimmy Butler just got 
he traded over yeah, here. Like, yeah, yeah. We got some in Rufo now, man. We were hurting, but yeah. oh man, it was painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the first thing he did, they took him to Calle Ocho, A Street, and mm-hmm. they took him to Domino Park because he proclaims to be a top Domino player. Okay, so, so they said, all right, you think you play dominoes? Come down to Calle Ocho, <laughs> Domino Park. And they have it all on video. It was cool. You need to no, check no. it out. You, have you played the Cuban? The Cubans have different rules. I've played Cuban <laughs> dominoes. I've played our dominoes. There's, there's some the different numbers different. in there. Yeah, it's different. <laughs> I've lived in Miami my whole life. I don't play in Domino Park because I like to keep my money in my pocket. <laughs> and, you, and you will get hustled over there. So <laughs> it's not for the weekend heart. It's not for the Jimmy yeah. Butler got a nice little paycheck from the Miami Heat, so he walked in there with confidence. Right, be careful, but, Jimmy. Yeah. Are you gonna have to come shut up and invest I'll, with us? I'll, yeah. I'll come hang out at the assisted living facilities and play a little domino. <laughs> anyway, you were saying so. Those are the starting. That's points. the starting point, yeah. right? The basic yeah. one residence. Yeah. So for somebody that's starting out, you know, you want to look at you know demographic. Um, you want to look at areas where who's going to be your resident. Right. And you have to know that because there's different tiers. First tier is, you know, you have your entry level tier um, where you have your typical, you know, that are going to fall under a certain income bracket. Um, And then you have your working class um, and then you have your more affluent. Mm -hmm. So you want to know who's going to be your resident. Now, not that all three tiers have value. You just have to understand demographically how is that model going to work? where I'm going to be. And then you have to really study the area. Um, one of the particular things is, you know, identifying synagogues. That's huge. Um, this is if you're in anywhere or if you're in I, South Florida? Well, particularly in South Florida. Okay. You know, the, that's one golden rule of thumb is to identify, um, you know, synagogues or any religious organization within a certain area demographically um, because families typically want to have that element and they do often ask, Hey, where is some place that, you know, we can go. Mm -hmm. Um, And so being aware of those things, they are are really, really important. So that's a single family model, right? Cause we're Mm -hmm. talking about the option. Of course, in that, like you just said, you can have the lower. Already, like first five minutes. Four bedrooms. That was a gym. Yeah, that was. Find the church. What's funny is, you know, me and my boy, we've been talking about getting one by a church up in PA, which is, yeah, the church is a big part of where we're looking to do it. So, it's, uh, you don't have to tell everybody that, that golden nugget. Yeah. Uh, maybe you guys can, like, take that out of the, <laughs> no. out of the podcast, you know? No, so, like, I'm what's kidding, the, I'm what's the next option? Because that's a single-family house, right? And then you have the different levels in there. Um, do you see right. multi-units? Like, so, yeah. So, what I find out in terms of risk mitigation, right? So, I believe in one levels for the model. I mean, that's what we're really about. Mm-hmm. I think, because um, I get calls all the time from investors who want to invest in the model. And they have great ideas for your two, three story. Mm-hmm. Exception to the rule are the residents, their capacities, right? So, and you have to know who's going to be your resident. Goes back to that again, and why, and what types of limitations are you going to be able to offer your service to those particular residents? Um, what I found to be um, to reduce risk mitigation have reasonably really good returns is where they need assistance. Meaning like if they have challenges, maybe 
putting on their shoes or they still are functional and they can do day to day. They just need a little help with some of the other maybe taking medicine, taking the medicines and things of that nature. Um, But once when you mentioned taking medicines, the first thing that comes to mind is an administrator. You have to have an administrator and typically that person is an RN um, prior to becoming an administrator because the process to become an administrator is a, a much shorter process than someone having no really medical experience or licensing mm-hmm. to come in and say, I'm going to be of a minister. The process. We, yeah. We'll have to get into that. Sure. The whole license out of it. What other kind of um, properties do you see down here that people are using for assistance? Cause you, you have the residents, right? Then you sure. have the big, big facilities. And then what's in between that? Is so it, is in it, between is once you go over in Florida, if you go over 14, um, if you go over 14 residents, then the criteria changes. This is more licensing involved. Um, not that it can't be worth the additional licensing and cost that goes along with it. But I, I think the key component we find is just really understanding that cost and how is that going to, because you increase more responsibility, but does it improve your return on your investment. I think that's always the key. Now, do you have those scenarios where absolutely, you know, you're saying we're going to a 28 unit and you can manage to risk appropriately. Um, It also depends on the facility, what condition the facility is, what amenities that it has. Um, Two more really important things is, you know, being compliant. There's just certain things, the doors. And if you're converting a, something that's been a residential or been a multifamily property, then you have to take those things in consideration because that's going to affect, mm-hmm. you know, your, your cost, you know, changing the doors, making it compliant. You know, mm-hmm. you have to have the fire panels, things of those nature, nature are really, you know, ACA who governs, particularly Which in the is state ACA of ACA is, what's, what's that mean? Um, I forget. Like, it's some kind of it's licensing like, regulation like, organization. Yeah, my, like my, my, my wife, so. she, she knows it like the back of her okay. hand. It's the senior yeah. police, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, she, she actually, she has the license, as you know. Your wife does. My right? wife yes. has the license yes. and that's really... A license to be an administrator? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Administration yes. part? Yes, yes. So she handles... She was an RN previously? Yes. Good. Yes, okay. she was a RN, um, got her bachelor's degree um, and um, became, after doing that, um, then she got her license as administrator and, you know, it was one of those things where it just made sense. You know, we had talked about the model many, many years ago and... Mm-hmm. You know, we've had a we've had a lot of success um, in the model based on the fact that we had the foundation, you know, to, um, you know, to make it work. I'm super interested in this. And it's funny because I've done a few acquisitions Mm -hmm. and financing on residential properties for clients in Mm -hmm. the last 15 years that have used these properties Mm -hmm. for assisted living facilities. And they're like. Crackheads. <laughs> if you find another one of these, you call me. And I'm like, this thing needs to be making some serious, serious. money because they're willing to pay their mama, their cousin, and their aunt to put their name on it <laughs> to make this happen. 
<laughs> so what is the? T- I've been always super interested, and yeah. I swear to you, two weeks ago I'm having lunch with an old client of mine, friend, right. who's she's a PA, mm-hmm. she's a physician's yep. assistant, and she was like, "Man, you know, I would like to get into something," and the idea of an ALF came up. Mm-hmm. She's like, "I need to start looking into this." So it's perfect. I'm glad you're here talking about this because right off the jump, I'm, I know I'm going to send her this show. Yep. She's going to listen to this part Great. and say, you talking about me? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else out everybody there. Out so there. Sure. let's let's talk about if I'm a landlord sure. and I get an eight unit building, right. mm-hmm. I'm thinking the revenue here is the rent mm-hmm. that someone who wants to live in this one bedroom sure. is going to pay me. Sure. If I get approached with the idea of an ALF, is it the same type of revenue source are we looking at? Basically, they're going to pay me a rent or is there now some insurance involved, some sure. some services? What kind of revenue streams are we talking about mm-hmm. for this type of investment? Great, great question. Um, so the first part of that revenue streams is it goes back to the different tiers. Mm-hmm. So when you think about the first tier is you have your self-pay. And that's another layer to it. So you have your residents that are self-pay, meaning that they typically pay, typically pay, excuse me, every month between twenty-five. It could be up to five to six thousand dollars. Um, yeah. It just depends on the facility. I think is we all know location, location, location. Mm. Um, How Mac Daddy, you got it. <laughs> I got it. I'm, I'm still taking notes. Yeah. So, and then you have the other component, which is you know, you're able to tap into some of the uh, subsidiaries, um, set-asides and supplements and so forth. That typically is going to be somewhere between, it could be as low as 2000 and it can be as much as 3000 I think what we find in that model is there's some responsibility on the resident sometimes. It just depends on each individual. Do you um, see a mixture or is co-pay with insurance or is it always one or the other? Yeah, I I find that it's one or the other, but I think there's we've had and we've seen mixed where you have so the the basic numbers we always look at is if you have eight residents and the average monthly um, fee is three thousand. So if you say managing the costs, and we've done this so many times, we know that your overall expenses are going to be fifty percent. Okay, so, so right I'm, now you said twenty four thousand a month mm-hmm. gross income. You're gonna count about twelve thousand for expenses. You're gonna twelve thousand cash flow off of eight there people, yeah. and we can put eight people in a four bedroom because that's it. That's the magic. Well, some good numbers, the, and we're talking about housing plus services. Usually, is encompassed in that three thousand. Sure. So, so one of the really great things um, is we all we kind of talked about a little bit earlier is there's a shortage of senior housing. Um, just across the country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have the baby boomers. And especially like good. We'll get to that, but good senior housing, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's tough. And, and, you know, seeing it, like, for example, of having someone give us a call and say, hey, we're trying to figure something out and then going to the facility and just seeing the challenges of a six resident model mm-hmm. um, and really trying to give great value. I'm not saying it can't be done, it's just difficult to make the revenue that you need to make to make it make sense 
to for, give quality service. And for all the additional requirements that you have, it's particularly in Florida when we talk about senior care. You know, we talked, I think that situation, unfortunately, that happened in Hollywood, in Hollywood during yeah. the storm, you know, it really changed how people looked at. There's a more focus on it. That was during the uh, hurricane. hurricane when they lost power. The big, the big, uh, yeah, kind of talking about the senior living facility yeah, lost so, power during the hurricane. They had to right. take them all out the, out the building. Mm-hmm. And you probably know more of what happened. But there were, there were several fatalities because oh, of wow. um, lack of a, and like I said, they weren't prepped. They weren't prepped and, they just didn't have... How the, large was that facility? Oh, gosh, that was a that was pretty a large one, right? facility. Yeah, that was... I want to say it was more than 80 to 80, 80 so residents. that large facility, yeah. Yeah, and they just... they just It, it just was overwhelming um, for them. And with that came now that, you know, there's certain new regulations in terms of what you have to have at your facility in case there's a power outage. You know, these things now are, are being really emphasized. Mm-hmm. Um, and so forth. So, with all that comes more expenses. Correct. Correct. And, and so, so mm-hmm. a question as far as like if if I'm someone looking to get into the business, which I am, but also mm-hmm. pro and con versus that big one, which they obviously you know generate, generate income. Sure. Versus smaller, as someone who might be saying, where should my parent go? Sure. Is it cheaper to send them to one of those large facilities compared to what we're talking about a smaller one? Is that why you might see it, or they just don't know that the options exist to actually put them in something where it's like maybe eight residents per one administrator compared to 21. Right. So that's a good question. So we, we start with, with case studies ourselves and we assess demographic areas where we think there's opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the first things that you have to do, and w- which is a painful thing to have to tell someone that they bought, bought a five-bedroom house and they didn't check to see if it was within a thousand feet of another residential ALF. And only being told that they wouldn't be able to get the approval and having to put the house back on the market for a loss. Because they bought it for that. They bought it. There's specific guidelines that you have to be within a thousand feet of another ALF. Yeah. If you're not, then you, you, you're going to have a for sale sign. Mm-hmm. On your property, and, and, yeah. <laughs> or you turn into a landlord. <laughs> now that's Florida. Is each state different? Each, each state, state does state have is different. different. They right? do. Okay, so you, so main thing is you want to definitely. I don't know where the money signs that coming, but you de- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely want to check the yeah. guidelines, licensing yeah. laws, zoning, all that, all that. Yeah. Is there a place that you would recommend that people who are interested in this idea can go and check out what the guidelines are? Is there a website? Is there yeah, um, gosh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you guys have to post it because my okay. wife does, yeah, she does all that. of the operations. I and like your style, like, just talk to my sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's always telling me that, okay, this has to happen. This, oh, yeah, 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 okay, okay, yeah, you got to handle those, okay. <laughs> yeah, you got it, all right. <laughs> I would imagine, and mm. I'm just thinking to myself, mm. if. I mean, in my family, it doesn't work that way. We got to take them in no matter how how <laughs> sure. it is. But I do have a story in my case where my right. grandfather lost his residency here in the United States because he thought he was good to go. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm good in Colombia. I got my people there and I don't care. I'm not going to come back and let it expire. Fast forward X amount of years later, he got sick, dialysis. Mm-hmm. 
couldn't take care of himself. And the whole family lives in the United States, works in the wow. United States. His people, you know, when he was good and having right. a good time mm. with in Colombia, they're not around to take care of you mm. once you're 80 years old and have to sure. go to dialysis three times a week. Mm-hmm. Right. So we had to end up having to, because nobody could leave their careers in the you United States sure. to go move to Colombia right. to take care of them. Right. And he wasn't allowed to come, come back, back here, much less now with dialysis and all that stuff mm. to be an expense to the United right. States. Right. So we were on a mission and my and my grandfather lasted like, I don't know how many years of <laughs> dialysis, on a mission, medical, yeah. the whole thing, and years and years wow, of yeah. assisted living facilities. He, in Colombia. In Colombia, right. We're not even talking about United mm-hmm. States. So right. I definitely know the power and the benefit of this sure. because it's not always sometimes a luxury. Most of the time it's a necessity. Necessity, yeah. yeah. Definitely. It is. And that's... that's you know, sharing your story and that, and that, and that's interesting because that's, it's not always feasible. Um, but that's just the culture too, is to not send to the facility. I, I, but I think what happens sometimes is the uncertainty of the care and not wanting to kind of lose that connection. Are you, we all feel responsible. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, just very commendable, on, you know, of your family to take that and, you know. That's kind of where I see the power with the model of like, you know, mm-hmm. the single family house where sure. you're not, you don't see your loved one in, in a, a big, big facility old, where you right. don't know what's going on with sure. a bunch of other people. Like sure. they're in a house with maybe six, well, eight people, let's say, sure. you mm-hmm. know, where they have a lot of care and attention and you know, it just feels better. Or not. Feel. And that's kind of what makes a good one or a exactly. bad one. Yeah. 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 You guys if they're are being right. ignored, oh, mm-hmm. they're out of there. Mm-hmm. But if you find one with, you know, a good vibe, good people that, you know, take care of your grandfather, grandmother, sure. mother, father, or whoever needs it. Mm-hmm. Then you feel like, okay, I can go to work. Definitely. I know that this person's sure. going to be taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of, and I guess what kind of amenities or activities, you know, does a good facility offer that kind of, because I'm sure with that expense count, right? And, and the expense, well, let's get the expenses first, right? So, yeah. So, that's so food, that's services. Right. Well. So dietitian. Um, that's one of the things that, you know, you want to definitely have as a part of your team because typically, you know, as we all age and things don't always work as well, um, you know, typically their, 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 their PC, mm-hmm. their primary physician will say, you know, we, we want to regulate your sugar or want you to eat more vegetables or, you know, there's just certain foods that are just high in things that are not in their best interest. So having a dietitian, um, and then, I think one of the expenses that can be a big challenge because it's also being an owner operator, you know, so you take the person who has an RN license and is administrator and now you're, you're doing seven things Mm -hmm. and being responsible for all of the moving parts, which I think is extremely tough, but obviously you reduce some of your expenses and you're able to have a little bit of a better return. I think you really have to measure that too to make sure that you don't burn out. That's something that, that I see as well is just... Owner-operator is the person who's like running the, the business of the house and everything else and the, yeah. the medical side. And the medical side. And the, the food utilities prep, and the food. And, and the yeah, laundry. Yeah. And so yeah. um, that can just be Just so tough. you know, I don't want to be that. <laughs> 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 look at it. I look at this as the complete true uh, passive, biz- passive no. income business if you do it the right way. 
Absolutely. Einar will say, let me go hire Jamie's wife or whoever to be the administrator, yes. right? Yes. And then you run like that. And then I can truly have a passive stream of income, yep. which is probably going to make us, what, tenfold of what a regular, that one house would make as a rental. Absolutely. You know, in that business. And it, it's worth it. But I do get where you have that guy or that woman who's trying to do it all himself where, hey, some probably can do it, but some it's might tough. run to... I, I, it's not something that I, I don't want to put the wrong information out about it. I think, you know, if you manage the... It's, everything always comes down as how do you manage expenses. If you can manage expenses and manage your time management mm-hmm. where because it can become overwhelming and you are responsible for those senior citizens, those residents. Mm-hmm. And you want to make sure that you know, you're operating, operating at a high level of awareness um, because there's um, a lot of things that can go wrong if you can't, if you don't. Got you it. So you said the food, so you guys, are, you're, you're feeding them, right? You take care of the food. Oh, yeah. We you have, take care uh, of other like trips and activities that... So, so it depends. That's a great question. So it just depends on what limitations they have. Um, the really cool part about it is that the intimacy of like you guys both mentioned of not being in a large facility and having a sense of not having a rotating shift um, and being fortunate enough to have, you know, a group of team members, CNAs or staff who mm-hmm. are there regularly day to day. It does volumes. It comes like a family. It does. It does. And, and what you see is the things that typically, depending on their level of health, that they can't do. You'll see things like singing. Mm-hmm. You know, they have someone who have played the violin, the piano. Um, you know, we, we honor everyone no matter what their faith is. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always set aside time for that. Um, there's always game time. Mm-hmm. There's always movie time. Um, and one of the interesting things is the, the design of the, the facility is it's, it's, it's interesting because I'm like, all right, let's make it be, we want to do modern. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's what I'm always, I'm always pushing the limit. And, <laughs> They just will me in like, <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's not, what, yeah, that's that not what they- doesn't matter to them, it, right? But yeah. believe that's it or not, modern. if, you know, they like it where it's relatable yeah. to, to where- They don't want your yeah. all white, granted. Yeah, they don't want Yeah, <laughs> now occasionally in your specialty area of mm. the ALF model, you know, they may, you know, want some of those amenities and the modernness, but for your- Overall, where your business model is going to have the most success, you'll, you'll find that the things that they most relate to gives them the most comfort. And I think all of us can relate to that. And so when we think about designing our, the model and what all the things that, not what we want, right? It's what what my grandmother would have wanted mm-hmm. or what she did. Definitely. <laughs> That's, a good, That's money, a good episode, man. Money, bro. Man. We got plenty of for social media out of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> what? are some of the pitfalls that you see people make when they're picking the facility and trying to d- create this business model? What are some of the common mistakes you see? Good question. So the the biggest one I see is leasing the residential space opposed mm, to buying right, it. Yeah. Okay. That's huge. Okay. You know, that's really and and seeing the pain of that. So cuz just off the top as you know, we all talk about business you know, you're looking at mortgage payment, 3000 It's a lot different when it's a mortgage payment and when you're paying, you know, leasing a rent, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that to me is big because as you continue to pay down the mortgage, 
it so, gives you more value yeah. because you own the asset, as we know, even on the other side of just talking about more traditional type investments. Also, the larger the income you're paying it off to a point where you're going to have now have not have that mortgage in place anymore. You know, at some point, tax advantage, it's just so many appreciation of yeah, the property. Oh, so many, like really, and so then. But I think that, in all fairness. You know, when you're starting out and you're trying to figure things out, you're just trying to kind of, okay, yeah, I want to do this. But then what happens, you know, your landlord, you've made the corrections to the home. And what I find and when we've gone in and we've helped um, owner operators, you know, increase their cash flow or just kind of control the model and have better returns. The goal always is, I hear it all the time, like, no, no, we want to just be here for five years. We're not going to resign the lease, but keep in mind, you've made all of these adjustments and renovations Genius. to that property. And now you're talking about moving residents out of a space that some of them have been with you mm-hmm. for five years or more, depending on. And I can see where that would be difficult. That's you know? challenging. If I'm going to you, I want to have that security and that. Or oh, vice know. versa. When the landlord sees that you're making money in this place, mm-hmm. then they start saying, wait, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I can do this. And if you don't want to leave and you want to sign the lease, they may not want to renew it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Definitely. That's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that is major. And I've seen that like time and time again. Um, you know, people who really too have a passion for really serving our elderly community and seeing them be the ones that just didn't have all the right information or maybe at that time just didn't have the resources and didn't have the extra strategy to they be have able the to passion, but not the, not the business acumen yeah. to run yeah. the business right, yeah. right? So they yeah. should have probably partnered. We talk about partnering a lot, you know, mm-hmm. partnering with someone who has the business acumen with that passion is probably the goal to have a, right. you know, a successful business with that. Yep. And you can actually strategy, just to add that component is you can actually go into it as a joint venture partnership with the extra strategy after five years, you stabilize the business and then you decide early on, buy one person out and then open up a second facility and then that person gets bought out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a very effective model. And we've used that, you know, quite a few times um, opposed to just renting. And then, and I've seen the cycle once you rent and now exactly what Kevin said, there's no flexibility. You're there, you made $10,000 in renovations just to be in compliance. <laughs> you know, you've done all of these additions. You may have added a room and they allow you to because it it is really going to limit your, your, your ability to have options. Yeah. 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 From a whole different angle. Sure. If I'm an investor, if I'm a wholesaler, if I'm an acquisition specialist and I'm able to get properties, and I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, well, this might be a niche that I mm-hmm. can approach people that have these facilities and see if they're looking for other properties. Sure. What would an operator of these be looking for in properties? That way, me as an acquisition specialist sure. can identify what are the perfect right. diamonds in the rough. Property, yeah. yeah, no, great question. So it starts with location. Um, and then once we move from that, it becomes, you know, who's your resident? You know, what type of income um, that they typically fall in what range? Um, and then you want to look at demographically 
potentially who's going to be a self-pay. I mean, self-pays are great, but the other side of self-pays too, you know, there's a large pool too that are fighting for that. I think it goes to what we talked about is the creating an intimate environment where it's very welcoming. It gives them a sense of a, of a home and not kind of being shuffled around, so to say. Um, I think that's an advantage, but ideally it starts with a thousand square feet. Um, understanding how many facilities are even outside of a thousand square feet to be able to assess to the competitiveness of it. You know, what kind of facilities are they? Are they your entry level facilities? Are they working class? Are they, you know, affluent? And then assessing the biggest thing I say is a, a part of it is, okay, where can I have the most impact? Where is there a lack of housing? Um, where does it seem to be housing? And you can always, you know, nothing wrong. We go, I go visit facilities all the time mm-hmm. um, just to kind of get an idea of what the staff's like, you know, what amenities they offer, you know, how clean is the facility, you know, watching the residents there, how are they engage with um, the staff, um, those kind of things. Yeah, so that's one of the things that you want to avoid um, if you're considering identifying a uh, ALF um, property um, that would be suitable is at all costs avoid HOAs. It's just not conducive to the model. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges though in South Florida, South particularly. Florida, yeah. um, HOA heaven, that's mm-hmm. everywhere around here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then the other component really is, is just um, identifying the right vendors. Um, we've been very fortunate. I think when you're starting out or even if you set a goal to say, you know what, I want to start putting a preliminary infrastructure together. So start thinking about, okay, who's a dietitian? Um, because that's a key component to your facility. Mm-hmm. It's not just the administering and, and the things that go along with helping um, those residents with, with different needs that they have, but it's really about, you know, that's a key component is what they're eating. Who's that person that's designing, um, you know, their diets because that's everyone always can eat the same things and you have to be able to accommodate that. Yeah. Yeah. Now the person that's the dietitian isn't also actually providing the food. They're just kind of regulating it. Sure. Good question. Yeah. So what they're doing is basically writing out the, the ingredients and what in the, Resident number one or that resident number two, what are they able to have that would be in alignment what's been recommended by their physician? And they have a separate person who cook, actually cooks the food. You can, you know, you dietitian can. dietitian cooks, prepares, brings You it. can. I mean, they're, they're dietitians. We've been fortunate enough to have um, several of them that through relationships that we've over the years um, that we've met that work at other facilities and, you know, they've come and work with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but ideally, if you can have a dietitian that also um, can provide that component, it obviously allows you to control the quality. And I think that's the biggest thing for us is like, we want to exceed the expectations of, of the family as well as that resident. And the way to do that is by, you know, controlling the controllables, which starts with dietitian working very closely with the physician in that office and making sure that, you know, hey, you know, John can't have salt or we have to be careful about mm-hmm. certain types of foods and those kind of things. So, yeah. 
so we talked about kind of like the demographics of the property and mm. uh, and the location. Um, I assume you can probably do this in every asset class, C, A, B, C, or is there a certain one where you want to be like in a certain type of neighborhood? Because you have elderly in every neighborhood, you know? Right. And usually they want to be closer to where they're, their family's at, correct? Or is there a yep. certain, certain type of neighborhood where you, you kind of want to focus on? So I say, you know, the, you have a larger pool twofold. You have a larger pool of potential residents in the working class areas. Um, but there you typically have more competition. So I think the key component is really niching how you're going to welcome the public to your facility. And what I mean specifically about that is, you know, having the right activities. Mm -hmm. Things that that I find that matter most um, is giving access to the family in a way that allows them to have a sense of security. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's a lot of things that go along with it, I think, but it's challenging to say, hey, you know, grandma is now going to be at a facility and she's been in our home. And now you see the heartbreaking people when they can't manage them because maybe they aren't able to walk. Mm-hmm. You know, those are realities. And so, and that's what goes back to like, okay, who's going to be your resident and what services that you're going to want to offer? And are you going to master those services? Not offer them because of the return, but offer them because you have developed the model to have those capacities. And like that's really huge. Yeah. You kind of want to figure out what can I handle or take on sure. as far as resident. Right. And then how is that going to work in your model in terms of outsourcing and um, cost, right? So if they are in a, say, you know, entry level type of facility, um, then... How is that going to work with the subsidized things that they may receive and then the services that you offer? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that I see with the six residential model that is just so tight. There's so much, there's not much room for fluctuation. If your cost goes up this much, it affects, you know, oh, your, well, your earnings. The really. whole facility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think. We can wrap it up on this one, but mm-hmm. for someone who's got a property and says, you know what, I'm, this A unit might actually be great for this idea, mm-hmm. and they hear this show and they want to explore it, the challenge of having a property sitting empty in the beginning. Sure. You prep it, you do all of it, you go get consulting, you put in the money, you prep this thing. How do you start filling the beds in the beginning? When you are just starting out and you just identified a perfect property, sure. but you don't necessarily have three or four people knocking on your door oh, saying, track this is what yeah, I want. It's a great question. Real good question. Um, So the, the first part of that is your marketing campaign, um, building relationships with the physicians in the area. Okay. Um, you know, having a, a, a program would engage I mean, churches, something. Churches, right? Churches are fantastic. Um, you know, your specialty internal medicine, you know, physicians, um, family physicians, typically for seniors, that's kind of a starting point as well. But I think that that's really a good question because you can have a great facility, but if you don't have residents, you, you don't have a, a, a business. And so I think even before you even start to work on the financials, marketing, letting people know who you are, what you do, letting them get a chance what I find it's a business, well, it's a touchy-feely business, meaning, you know, 
people want to know, okay, who are these people? If you're going to be involved in the community, even if you are going to be an absentee owner, they need to know what the culture is and who that person is that is responsible for those residents. And I think if you can solidify that, now that's really where the game changer is because then you are able to attract residents that are in some of the big box facilities, but because you have that personalized care and people can see from experience of speaking with you and your staff and learning about inviting them over to your facility. Um, There's certain things and we won't get into that. I know we're wrapping up, but there's certain things that you cannot do in terms of marketing before you open pre. Mm -hmm. So you have to be really careful. So there's just ways that you have to be within guidelines of what the state of Florida and other states may require and just getting your name out there. Introducing yourself to the office manager is phenomenal. Um, Hey, my name's, you know, Larry, um, we're opening up of my wife and myself or, you know, my family we're opening a facility, wanted to come over and introduce ourselves. You know, if there's anything that we can ever do, come over and do a workshop, come educate your staff. Those things are, are priceless. Got it. Yeah. Building trust, right? Yeah. Build trust before yep. you even get to that point. Yeah. Hey, look, I know that I'm extremely interested. I know you are too. And I'm sure we'll probably t- talk to you more about it too. And Probably have you come on and talk some more about it, you know, kind of break down exactly how the numbers look in detail too about it, you know. Definitely. And uh, this is something I want to keep going on more about because it's such a deep, interesting, you know, market yeah. vehicle. And there's so much to kind of talk about. You can't do it in one time, right. honestly. And I know because I'm telling you, I have clients banging on my door. <laughs> Finding the property is such a key component to these mm. business models yeah. that. It's a niche. That it's a thing. Yeah, for sure. Listen, great show. Yeah. Appreciate it, brother. You're welcome, brother. You guys are both welcome, man. Good brothers, man. Been a real pleasure. I think we're done, dude. (laughs) Hey, we're good. Out of here, man. Out of here. Shut (laughs) up in the vest and uh... we're out. Hey, thank you once again for listening to Shut Up and Invest. If you guys are motivated at the thought of continuing your real estate journey with us, then visit shutupandinvest.com. There you can join the community and take advantage of more free resources. And don't forget, please like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast so you're first to hear our new content every week. Most importantly, get active and don't forget to shut up and invest.